0: JR Spear R Spear R. Spear
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of our Daily Creep podcast show. My name is JR and today I have a guest named Jeremy Pope. He is a former clinical and stage hypnotist who now helps entrepreneurs build scalable high ticket sales departments. He's been a top salesperson, sales manager and sales trainer for international businesses including the direct marketing giant Guthy Renker. Now he he and his team at the Engine Room, build done-for-you high-ticket sales departments, and help smaller business owners repair broken sales methods. So welcome, Jeremy. Thank you so much for joining us on our Daily Creek Podcast show. I'm very excited about learning more about you, what you're doing, and how uh, how our, you can serve our audience. So thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So kind of starting out, one thing I like to do with all of our guests we've on the show is get a little bit of background about where how they got to where they're at. So kind of give us a little bit of story about where, where you were at before that led you to do what you're doing today.
2: Oh, goodness. Okay, so I guess there's two or three pieces to that. Uh, the first piece is learning to sell in the first place because I, I've been selling since I was in college, really. I started my first business in my dropout year of college, so I was I was selling door-to-door to attorneys, um, and I was not good at sales at that point. And then I was selling SAT prep, and uh, I became a clinical hypnotist uh, fairly, fairly soon after that. And that was when I started learning how to sell. And a lot of people think that uh, a hypnotist can make people do what they want. And boy, if, if that were the case, it would have been a lot easier to learn how to sell, but really what I, what I learned was how to listen properly and it just busted a bunch of those myths in my head about the idea that people won't tell you what's going on in their heads. If you learn how to listen, you will hear exactly what's happening in someone's head, what they see, what they hear, what they feel, what they're imagining. And when you can join them in their world, it makes all the difference to, to have a collaborative sales process. So that was, I guess, the first big piece. Uh, the next piece I was, um, I I ran a little marketing agency, nothing really ever happened with that. Um, and that was a a fulfillment issue, not a sales issue. Uh, But then I went to work for a company called traffic and funnels. Um, and I was their first client success director and that kind of, kind of got me into the online world. And my previous hypnosis experience, I, I knew a lot of coaches and a lot of other hypnotists and, uh, you know, people, people like that in the consulting spaces, the personal consulting space, I guess you could call it. And so that combination of the online marketing stuff and the personal consulting uh, space was really what, what got me into these, this crowd that I run with these days. So uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got here. As far as the story, um, I've done an awful lot of different kinds of sales and sales training from being a, a literal barker in Walmarts and Sam's selling vegetable slicers, to being a sales trainer at Guthy Rinker, to um, goodness, being a, a home loan officer, selling homes with a developer, uh, selling health and life insurance. I've done a lot of different kinds of sales, so I'm definitely a generalist or, or a dabbler if we're being unkind about it. I was definitely a dabbler for a long time. But I uh, kind of settled into the sales consulting role and the, the building sales teams and stuff like that just in the past four or five years. And that's been, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. So you said something that was kind of interesting and piqued my interest is the the door-to-door to attorneys. I would like to know like, what were you selling to attorneys? Because because for uh, me, like door-to-door, that's how I got my started in, in business and sales, just because yeah. I had no money at all. I was starting my own business and I was like, right. okay, what can I do to sell? And it was it was selling my fitness business. So I was Whenever I got, right. got started my my boot camp business, I was like, okay, I have no money to be out here and do it. So I went door to door to residential places and to businesses. And through that in two weeks, I got my first seven clients out of that. And those seven clients, yeah. I would probably say 80% of them stayed with me for the next eight years, which was yeah. phenomenal. So I'm always curious, that like awesome. those that, that started the door to door is like, why did you go to door to door? What did that teach you? And then what were you selling to these attorneys? Sure.
2: Um... I, I think it was just because I didn't have any other ideas. This this was in 2000, 99 or 2000. And so I had learned a skill called title searching or title abstraction, which is basically some of the stuff a real estate paralegal does. It's not doc prep, but it's, it's getting ready to, it's vetting the title to make sure everything's clear. And so that was the skill. And I just, went and I, I dressed up in my blazer and my tie at, I guess I was 20 uh, at 20 then. And so I was, I was all dressed up and sweaty in the hot Georgia sun and just going back and forth to all the real estate attorneys in a few different towns that were close enough for me to drive to those courthouses.
0: Yeah. And what so did that I,
2: teach you? Oh, there are better ways. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's one thing. Um, it's not the end of the world when somebody says, no, that was probably another big thing. Uh, it's, it's never as high pressure. They never intend for it to be as high pressure as you make it out to be in your own head. That was, that was probably one of the big things there. Uh, also that I don't like wearing a tie. That was a, that was a big (laughs) learning for me in that. So,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for me, like kind of what you said, like learning, had to accept no uh, from people because it's hard and not everyone's yeah. even willing to do it. But for me, like from a sales standpoint, it really showed me resilience and grit and commitment to be able to do it. And I think that's why being able to do it online from a sales standpoint for myself, that it's a lot easier to be able to, re- to get rejection or someone wants to delete yeah. you on social media or they want to say you know something kind of native to you, just kind of like, okay, whatever, move on and, and find something else. But I think going through those tough times because it's not easy and not everyone will do it. Uh it's kind of yeah. funny. I had a guy show up at my door yesterday at my house and he was trying to sell okay. construction equipment and just it was such poor delivery. He looked like he was a young, maybe early 20s. And uh I, I almost went to ground like, bro, let me let me just like talk to you a little bit about sales because yeah. I immediately just yeah. turned him off. And I was like, you know what? I just I just don't have time. We're literally walking out the door. But yes. he just he just stumbled over his message and what they what he was saying didn't really deliver well. But no, I'm glad you said that because mm-hmm. I, I I mean if someone gets started doing door to door sales, I, I you could definitely tell like man this guy he he went through trenches. <laughs> he learned. There's a something to be said for it.
2: Yeah, there really is. Yeah. I know some people that really only like to hire salespeople people who have done door to door closers on on big online funnels and stuff and um I, I don't have that criteria for myself but that's a that's an easy validator they found for their own sales processes that they like to teach and they like to train their teams in so yeah it can it can be a big tell yeah,
1: yeah. no i love that um, so a question i wanted to ask is like how important is sales for an entrepreneur like what well, like give give your i want your own interpretation like as a skill set, as something that they need to do when it comes to building a business, how important is sales?
2: I think of sales on a couple different levels. I mean, at sales call overhaul, we have the smaller level of, we help you with the sales calls that you take in your strategy call funnel. So that's okay. Very discreet, very, or very in a box, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's necessary for a lot of business types to have that kind of sales going on. I mean, one-to-one contact kind of sales, uh, whether it's on phone or on Zoom, there are a fair number of sales that are just very difficult to make without that, um, that personal contact. Uh, but as far as the bigger element of, of what is sales, I think of it almost just the same as persuasion. Those words are almost synonymous to me. And so coming from the hypnosis background, a lot of that was, I mean, I was selling the hypnosis packages for one, but then I noticed I was doing the exact same things once I was in session with someone to motivate them, to get them off of zero and help them lose weight, stop smoking, get over chronic pain, asthma, allergies, some kind of phobia. That was my bread and butter as a hypnotist and all the same techniques like we had we had very explicit hypnotic techniques that, that that made it easy to understand what was going on in someone's head and and it helped them to understand what was going on in their heads and et cetera. But it's all the same thing. I mean, just moving someone from the world of calculation and analysis to the world of imagination and action. that's That's really a lot of what sales is about to me. Um, I I talk a lot about the difference between adversarial selling and collaborative selling instead of butting heads and rebutting objections and handling people and stuff like that. A lot of mine is about helping people be able to make a healthy decision for themselves. And a lot of times, you know what that decision should be because you've done enough discovery and you figured out, okay, I, I understand this person's situation probably better than they understand their own. And so leading them, persuading them. It all ties together so closely. It's just anything where you need to motivate someone to do something. To me, that's sales.
1: That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing now and within your business and how you're helping these sales teams for businesses.
2: Sure. Okay. Thank you. Uh, So salescalloverhaul.com is our website for getting people the coaching that they need on sales. There are an awful lot of entrepreneurs that have had a tremendous amount of trainings and teaching on sales. And a lot of times what they need is just feedback on what they're already doing and the coaching to fix those things that they're already getting. They don't need another course. They don't need another, um, another book, another series of videos to watch, you know? And, and so giving them direct feedback on what they do. Uh, we we recently launched a product of um, what well, we call it the sales call overhaul as well. It's, that's all through our branding. But it's three call uh, reviews over the seven dimensions of the sales call overhaul that we use uh, for moving from adversarial to collaborative selling. And then we also include, I mean, because I'm a hypnotist, you got to think about the mindset. I, I can't ignore that. So we include two live one-on-one mindset calls to help people implement the things that they might be sabotaging themselves over. So that's really the big product that we're focused on right now.
1: Cool, so how long have you guys been in business doing this?
2: Well, I've been doing some form of this since 2016. Uh, this product name is pretty new, but uh, we're launching a podcast around it and et cetera. So the the structure gets tweaked probably every couple of months. Uh, so. But it's it's been around in, in some form similar to this since about 2016, just the now really what, deep call reviews.
1: That, that's really cool. I love it. And it sounds like, I mean, if you lasted 2016 and even through the pandemic recently, then you must be doing something right to be able to these businesses. So thank you. Thank yeah, you. Just, yeah, that yeah. really that was, really there was, there was a lot of upheaval there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would you say some of the biggest problems that your clients typically come to you for help with and where they're struggling? Oh,
2: um thinking about the wrong things. Uh, I know that's broad. I'll give an example. Uh, So I'm getting the wife objection a lot. What do I say when someone says I have to talk to my wife? And my answer to that is it's too late. Um, I'm really big on not using magic words. It's about magic feelings. And if somebody has already decided they're going away, it doesn't really matter what they're saying to you. That's that maneuvering, trying to maneuver around their objections and stuff like that. Like, you should have handled that in the first five minutes of the call. Tie down the commitments to making a decision today, get them imagining things, et cetera. When when someone has objections, I mean, that's just a... There are only two things you can do on a sales call to increase desire, and that's expose their pain And expose their passion and so you got to stretch that rubber band you got to create the tension between the pain and the passion there and everybody has their own version of like how they talked about that hell island and heaven island and there's all kinds of metaphors for that but you've you've got to let them feel that tension and that desire building that desire is what's going to make them able to move But then you have to decrease the roadblocks as well, like turn the roadblocks into a speed bump kind of thing. And a lot of people think that objection handling is about removing roadblocks. It is almost always that you didn't increase desire enough with the the pain and the passion. And so, yes, you need to reduce risk. Yes, you need to reduce the fear of uh, doing your thing with you. But most of the time, the problems in a sales car, I call it emotional horsepower, because everything with me is engine-themed, overhaul-themed, mechanical-themed, et cetera. Please don't ask me if I'm any good with cars. But I still like the branding. <laughs> so uh, almost, almost everything there is about getting torque on the situation with them, rather than trying to answer their questions. Sales is not really about answering questions. Yeah, you got to do some of that. But... Mostly, it's about helping people imagine things in a way that moves them to action. And that's what's missing from most sales calls. And why most people get high pressure is because they don't know how to build that desire from within. And so they feel like they have to push instead. And so that that one shift there, build tension instead of pressure, uh, that is the biggest thing that we get into with our people.
1: So how important is the setup of the sales call and like the pre-qualification process for you? Quite.
2: Uh, it, it really depends on every on what's going on in the funnel. But if someone is having a closing problem, I will look half at their sales skill and their sales process, but half at the funnel that comes before that sales call. Um, it is very difficult to determine it, where the balance of the problems are. Qualification is a really big deal. I made a product a while back called Application Questions That Sell. Like, If you have a strategy call with an application and there's multiple choice answers and things like that, or text field answers, um, the psychology of that application and the funnel all around that is immense. It it can make your sales calls far, far easier. Ideally, it can turn your sales calls into an order-taking scenario where you're basically just a digital cashier. And that's hardly sales at all. That's just onboarding almost. And it, if you can, if you can get your marketing to the point where you reduce the need for sales skill, oh, that is a sweet spot. Um, and it it really makes your it really makes your business scalable and really makes your people inexpensive. You don't have to have really high skill, one hundred fifty thousand, two hundred thousand dollars a year salespeople when you've got a process. In the marketing side that works really well for building desire, getting people to self-qualify, all, all the things that marketing ought to do. But a lot of us don't have the resources or the time to put that kind of funnel in place before we get on the phones. And so toward the beginning of a business, that funnel is going to rely a lot more on sales skill than it is on marketing and copy skill. Um, it, it's generally my belief that it's easier to build skill in sales than it is to build skill in copy. Because um, you get a lot more at-bats, you get a lot more practice at uh, sales as a business owner than you do um, practice as a copywriter, as a business owner, for most business types. Because as business owners, we're out there meeting people a lot. So we get a lot of opportunities to practice. So it's really important and they play together together it's vital to to do both, but it's very hard to see. When we, when we get a sales call up, overhaul come in, a, a call submission, we immediately start diving into, okay, what has this prospect seen before this call started? I wanna see every page of the funnel, shoot me a video of going through your funnel. Um, Cause it does matter. There's, even though I'm a sales consultant, there's no way around that. The The funnel, it matters deeply, yeah.
1: No, that, I don't know. That was
2: that was a long answer to a short question. Was that the was that the kind of? No, answer- I, 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 th-
1: I think I think it's definitely powerful, and just having like the application questions in place and doing so, like that's something that I do. But I would I would be interested in kind of seeing the type of questions that you would even ask. And I don't want you to give away all your best stuff. Yeah, best. I, no, I'll, I'll happily
2: give it to you. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I mean. What, what are some well let's let's kind of hit on that really quick what are some key things you don't need to go through all the questions but what are some key basic questions that you like to ask in the application process and then the and to kind of piggyback on that how do you deliver the the questions do you put it into like a form type thing do you have like a va or someone that answers it inside of dms emails calls or whatever it may be mm-hmm. is there do you believe in a two call sales process or is it a one call sales process um i mean th- these are big things that i see and it's kind of People come to me and ask questions for it. And like for me, I don't like the two call sales process. Like I'm I'm a one call person and I try to get them on there, but I see the benefit of it as well, depending on the type of person who it is. Um, But yeah, I like to get your feedback on that. So, kind of recap some application questions like, what are some questions that you do with that? What's the delivery of getting those questions answered? And then, what is like, do you believe in a one or two call sales process?
2: Got it. Let me start backwards if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe in a sales process. And whether it's one call or two calls, that's really just dependent on what the business model is and what the business model will support. Uh, If we've got a a very difficult time getting all the decision makers together on the first call, okay, we're probably looking at a two-call close there or even further depending. I mean, if we go up into enterprise multi-stakeholder, let's involve the compliance department kind of sales, then those are, I mean, three-month sales cycles sometimes. I like to play more in the one-call-close range, and it's, I, I found that we often get like a 1.2-call-close, uh, where with the, the collaborative selling, people don't ghost the same way as they do with high-pressure. So I, I tell a lot of my clients that, look, if somebody's ghosting you in your follow-up, that is one of the biggest indicators that you do have a high-pressure sales process that's possible to find are they ghosting you? Just ask that. That's an up-down. Do you have a higher-pressure sales process? Well, are they ghosting you? So when, when you have a collaborative sales process, then you, you often have little follow-ups. You get the B-backs, basically. A lot of salespeople, they, they don't believe in B-backs. That's another way to tell that it's a it's a high-pressure sales process that they've been
1: taught. What do you mean by B-backs?
2: Oh well, I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back next week. Oh, Gotcha. You think about it and come back to you. Sorry, it comes from the car industry. I also sold cars for two weeks and absorbed <laughs> too much of their language. That one doesn't count though, so I don't usually <laughs> mention it. Uh, but the the high pressure sales process, they don't they don't get people coming back and buying later. I get I don't know a third of my clients coming back and buying later because they were comfortable the first time around. I hate fake scarcity. Well, I hate fake anything. Um, But fake scarcity is, it feels gross to everybody involved and it doesn't fool anybody either. Well, we've only got four seats left on this auto webinar that plays nine times. Okay, okay, sure. But I mean, that one right there is even baked into the software, like into the ClickFunnels software yeah. When I had a lot of clients that were using ClickFunnels, that was one of the first things I would get them to strip out was that limited seats. It's not limited seats. Don't even mention it. You don't, you're not fooling anybody. Yeah. So any anytime where you're, where you don't have a good way of building scarcity, then there's going to be the pressure on the salesperson to turn that into a fake scarcity or, or create some kind of scarcity on the fly. And it's, it's often weird and a little creepy and et cetera. And and people just feel that. So a one point two call close. Um, you have your call. You let people go away and think about it. And when they say, "I need to think about this," there's not a whole lot you can say effectively once they get to that point in the call. And they're still like, "I need to go away and think about this." Almost always, the best thing to do is, "Cool. How long do you need?" Well, I, let me let me think about it, and I'll get back to you in a couple of days. And then I push on that. I go, is that long enough? Like, are you sure you'll have time to really give this the consideration that, that you believe it deserves? Um, will you be able to talk to whoever you need to talk to? And then they get they give me a commitment to come back in a certain time for, oh, well, maybe three days. Um, and then I get permission to follow up with them after that. And a, a lot of sales come from that. But it's very short follow-ups. It's just, all right, got a decision. So that it's like point two of a call. So yeah, one call close, I don't obsess over it okay. because the collaborative process really removes a lot of the, a lot of the pressure on a salesperson to be in this method or that method.
1: So okay. what about the delivery of your application process?
2: Okay, so that, what I care about is that the prospect understands that they are committing to stuff. So I tend to make it more explicit rather than hiding it in a conversation. I don't tend to do a lot of, I don't tend to get appointment centers to do a lot of the qualification beforehand. I tend to get them to send to a form. Uh, Again, this is totally funnel dependent. If you are outbound dialing to attorneys and doctors and plumbers and people who are very busy and the funnel is outbound, you're not going to get the ability to do that. So just get the information any way that you can. But as soon as you can in whatever funnel that you have tip from outbound to inbound. So if you outreach to get people into your funnel, like get them qualifying themselves explicitly in their own minds as quickly as possible. And it really changes the, I call it the the framing dynamics of the call. It it gives you a very different frame for um, framing the dynamics of the call. I call it all kinds of things. Uh, But it gives you a very different power dynamic on the call and it lets you be peers uh, instead of you needing their money or something like that, which outbound feels like to a lot of people. There are a lot of people in the entrepreneurial community that started with a vision and they want to give to the world. And so there are a lot of givers that are stuck in a taker process and prospecting all too frequently feels like a taker process to these givers. And so being able to tip that over into a, a peer level discussion is very important in my opinion. So I like a quiz, an explicit quiz. Um, whenever I can get away with it, that's the direction that I go. And I've I've dealt with, I don't know, 300 funnels at this point, 400 funnels, that, that kind of thing. It's not the world's biggest amount, but it's enough to have a feel for a few things. Um, the more explicitly that they are willing to qualify themselves or disqualify themselves, uh, the easier that call is going to go on the back end.
1: I love it. So those that are listening to this uh, this episode right here and they're small business owners and they want to increase and become better at sales and and you already gave a ton of amazing nuggets and stuff like that. Where should they start to help increase and you know better their skill set as a sales professional?
2: Easy. Uh, go to salescalloverhaul.com. There's a button on the front page that says something like help me sell better. It's just the big blue button on the front page. And that will give you three immediate things that you can do that um, will increase your close rate and make you more comfortable in your own sales calls. Uh, once, once they get that, then they'll be able to join our Facebook group and et cetera from there, where we talk about all the seven dimensions of the sales call overhaul. We talk about how to qualify people and when to DQ people and, um, how to stay in a good, healthy headspace and all that kind of thing. So yeah, just go to the sales website and, uh, download our resources and join our Facebook group from there. And we'll have a podcast soon. So that'll be fun.
1: Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I, I'm, I'm going to go there myself and see what where it tells me that I need to improve on. Um, so so the, the biggest question I ask everyone when they get on our show is like, what is their creed? What is the one thing that you're most committed to that you're going to be resilient even through the most difficult times? Showing up mm. every single day, giving your best and having the physical and mental uh, discipline, emotional discipline to complete your mission. So what is your creed? Wow,
2: that was well-practiced. Okay, you do ask everybody that. That's awesome. Uh, my my mission, my creed is, I, I know I have a life mission, and it's to set people free, to help people grow up, and to help people get closer to God. If I'm doing those three things, then I know I'm on the right track. And it's, I mean, I can't claim any particular resilience I'm, I'm not a super high energy guy. I'm not a super accomplished guy. I'm just a guy with some good systems who stumbled on some good stuff. But when I'm doing those three things, I know I'm doing the right things. That's, that's what I'm here on this earth to do.
0: That's
1: awesome. And you already mentioned your website link for getting in touch with you and the best way to get connected and, you know, kind of diving your stuff, but what's that website link again? And we'll be posting it underneath this episode, but just in case someone's listening to this and they're driving or whatever it may be. Can you share that website again? Thank you. Yes.
2: SalesCallOverhaul.com. We've got a ton of resources that we're about to start putting out, not just infographics and tips, but um, ways to implement these things in your own sales very shortly.
1: Very cool. Any last things that you like to leave the audience to walk away with?
2: Goodness. Uh, you can be collaborative in your sales. You can be zero pressure in your sales. And if you are not feeling at home in a taker process, there absolutely is a better way.
1: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy, for jumping on uh, our, on this episode and sharing your skill set and your knowledge with our audience, because I feel better and more empowered to go out there and become a better sales professional myself just by listening and learning from you. So I appreciate this. I'm definitely going to be visiting your website. And if anyone has any questions, make sure you visit his website link. will be posted underneath this episode on our podcast, which you can find on Apple, iTunes, or you can find it on Spotify.
0: And until next time, simplify. Thank you for listening to The Daily Creed Podcast Show with J.R. Spear. If you want to get more leads and grow your business, head over to fitprofunnels.com to get your free gift today. That's fitprofunnels.com. And to connect with JR online, check him out on Facebook at jr.spear.3. Or feel free to join the Facebook group at FitProFunnels. And you can also find him on Instagram at jr.spear.